while we set the round table, let's pour our libations and kick it off by thanking our sponsors. Always support those who support you, you feel me? And with that being said, I'm going to do you the best favor I can do. That cracked iPhone you got, my G, that ain't player. That ain't professional. And you too, young lady, that ain't cute. Holla at iRepair Mobile on Instagram at iRepair Mobile and iRepair Mobile NC for the Twitter. And make sure you use that Talk That Talk promo code. And while you at it, check out the latest and the freshest gear at antihype.us. And I ain't going to talk you to death. The round table is set. I got another addition to the Black Man is God series, an interview with my uncle, uh, my mother's brother. And with no further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into it. You know what it is. You know what it ain't. It's your boy, Flashy Ray. You know my name. You know my gang. And I'm doing what I usually do, talking that talk. Again, I'm at an undisclosed location. Never serve a nigga where you sleep at. Always keep the tr- keep it true to the code, man. Y'all already know what it is and know what it ain't. Well, but with that being said, with that being said, um, I, I, um, I'm, I'm back doing what I usually do with the interview thing, man. Uh, the last interview I came out with, it was with my father, and I'm, I'm continuing the cycle with uh, a well-respected black man in my life, cause I, uh, again, you, like I spoke on, um, the, the, the first podcast, what the most recent I should say podcast that I put out that was with my father, I wanted to, uh, I explained how I wanted to display, um. Did beating the stereotype of um black men not being there for for their community and and, and for their family members and things like that uh, despite everything that goes on and all the, the stereotypes i wanted to display uh again what, what shaped me and why i think the way that i think and uh why i move the way that i move and why i'm respected the way i'm respected it's because of uh, a good good representatives and good representations of what a black man is in my life and uh right now right here today i have my mother's brother uh, if if you don't know uh, who Chuck Johnson is, uh, he's a very eclectic individual, a very very uh, one of a kind individual. If you do know this gentleman, if you don't know, you will uh, um, you will be able to uh, be a witness to that testament that I just spoke of. Uh, and um, with, with no further ado, I am I'm taking the time out again to again just to big up the black men that make me who I am and and and. Just again, just to 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 beat down the stereotypes that 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 black men aren't there for their families, uh, and 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 I mean more than than a uh, financial way, more than you know, just on the mental aspect, and just shape shaping the kids and shaping the youth, and why black men are important in general. And uh, to, again, I today I have my uh, uncle Uncle Chuck uh, again, Chuck Johnson. If you don't know, you should know. I'm gonna uh, let him introduce himself. Um, tell him uh, tell him where you from. Uh, why why you here? Um. And and then we'll go ahead and get into it. So um, uh, right now, with no further ado, the man of the hour is uh, Chuck Johnson. Chuck Johnson, please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone out there in the free world. My name is Chuck Johnson, as you know. Um, I'm a gentleman that was born and raised in Cambridge, Maryland. I enjoyed my life growing up, playing a little football, enjoyed basketball most of all. And... Um, I pretty much worked in every job, every job that was in Cambridge, Maryland, and a lot of people looked at that as a negative thing. You know, you, you can't keep a job, but at the same time, the ones that had a job for 15, 20 years, they look good too. But when it all's being said and done, I got a lot of different experiences. Okay. And um, and with that, uh, when growing up, you know, I done went through some things, but everything that I went through at this moment, I'm glad I went through it. Because now I can go back and teach other people on how not to be that way. 
and and um, I'm here here in Charlotte because you know I moved to Miami and I was there for a while, and I thought that it would be best to get around family, and so I came here to Charlotte to be around my my brother-in-law, my sister, my mom, and of course my nephew Ray. But anyway, getting back to some other things about myself is that I love to be positive. I love to think of positive. I I I try to explain to certain people on how to make things better in their life. You know, negative never and will ever, never, never come by itself. You got to remember, positive comes with negative. Negative comes with positive. You choose. Okay, okay. With, with, with that amazing uh, ideology, and, and I'm pretty sure that has uh, has evolved because uh, me knowing you personally, I know everything ain't been squeaky clean. So I, I know that that, that uh, mindset took time to evolve. Would you say so? Correct. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the beginning. You said that you were born and raised in Cambridge, Maryland, um, uh, um, a city where I'm from as well. Uh, my father is from. Just my complete, literally my whole family is from Cambridge, Maryland. I mean, obviously people move elsewhere, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, Cambridge, Maryland is uh, is where we've been born and raised. So uh, explain, uh, talk to me about your childhood. What 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 important, uh, um, you know, what, what, what played important roles in your childhood growing up in Cambridge, Maryland, what, what would you say, you know, um, that you took uh, uh, as a child growing up there and what transitioned to uh, what you are as a man now? You know, uh, just again, just uh, just to brush up on uh, on your childhood and uh, the, some great lessons that you learned just growing up in Cambridge, Maryland, I should say. Okay, well, I'll say it like this here. Um, well, growing up around a whole lot of different people, it's like People were placed in my life at the stages of my life to give me the best way of living for me growing up. Now, I got this gentleman that, you know, when I was growing up, when I was in elementary, and this guy, his name was JJ. JJ was a very neat elementary kid, but he was very neat. He was teaching me on how to be neat, taught me how to do backhand flips and back springs and all the type of things when it comes to gymnastics and knowing how to wear my clothes neatly in elementary, this gentleman was. And he was in the fifth grade as well. So then when I got a little older, I went to the middle school. And when I got in the middle school, I met a guy named Brian Wilson. This guy, Brian Wilson, was very neat as well. He took over from where JJ left off at. Brian Wilson taught me how to play basketball. This guy took me to every basketball court there was in Cambridge, Maryland. And one day I sat down with Brian and we was outside of the Mesa's Lane uh, Middle School gym uh, on the back of with the basketball course. And I was like, well, Brian, why do we play basketball on every court? He said to me, well, in case we be anywhere in Cambridge and someone challenge us, we'll always be prepared. So then going further, I ran into some guys named you know like Artie Marine Curtis Johnson these guys these guys took me to another level of being uh 16 15 16 years old 
you know, going through stealing and now I'm beginning to smoke weed and drink a little beer, do those kind of things. So those guys got me started in that lifestyle, but at the same time, keeping some good things going along with me as far as learning me how to play basketball, getting me better in school. Artie Marine was my idol, you know, when I was first in, when I was in it, like the seventh and the eighth grade. And going a little further when I got in high school, then gentlemen, you know, uh, Artie Marine, I just kept underneath of Artie Marine. But then when I got over to the high school and saw that Artie was a person that was teaching me how to steal, he also taught me how to play basketball and things like that. So then I got away from Artie Marine and then I got with this guy named Rodney Johnson. And when I got with Rodney Johnson, he taught me on how to be a good guy as long as playing basketball. So then after all those things and I got out of high school, I did a little college, not much to talk about, so I'm not going to talk about that. But um, when I got out of high school, that's when um, I got my first vehicle right out the parking lot. And I began to start doing some things that I wasn't supposed to be doing, which was a lot more deeper than marijuana and drinking, and that was smoking crack cocaine. Okay, but we, before we before we get to that, the 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 fam, back to the foundation of you know uh, you being taught by your peers your neatness, uh, things like that. Let me let me ask you this: um, Were you uh, able to to grow up with with the father in the home as well, with being taught by your peers to be neat? And you know, you know, what what other um, because again with this with with the early with your peers teaching you this early foundation again of discipline because little did you know at that time they were teaching you discipline because to be a neat person you got to be disciplined you can't be sloppy with being neat it's just just don't work that way and and the same with you know uh taking it a step further with uh, uh you you meet Brian Wilson you correct yes. uh, uh, at the after the elementary school you yes. met Brian Wilson yes. in middle school and you know he took it a step further and you started to play uh, uh sports and things like that with you know along being neat so again you back with the discipline because again to get good at sports you have to be disciplined with again that's why he took you with every other court so that it, it, everything made sense so uh, uh with 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 being a man did you bring in with, with those lessons there uh, uh were you able to uh be taught by older gen you know more than your peers more than the people that were your peers at the time were you privileged enough to get those type of lessons before we get into the the, the, the the nitty gritty with the high school life and after high school life you know um what what you know again what were those lessons that or if you even had them that you were taught by older men and older men other than your peers okay let me break let me back it up to this area here in elementary around i say sixth grade let's go to sixth grade uh in the sixth grade um all of my friends that i you know around the neighborhood on this street they called Schoolhouse Lane. A lot of the people would play hide-and-go-seek and hide-and-go-seek, hide get it, and go to the store running to get candy and things of that nature. But me, myself, I would sit down on these steps with these older men that were in their 60s, and I was around 11 or 12. And I would sit down on the steps with this one particular man, and his name was Mr. Bell. Mr. Bell would sit down on his steps, and he had one leg. And he was sitting down on his steps with his friends, Mr. John and several other older men, but I don't know their names. I know Mr. John and Mr. Bell. Mr. Bell was my best friend at 11 years old. He 
taught me a lot of things. And one thing that he was teaching me is how to just sit down and listen. And I would sit down and I would listen to these gentlemen talk. And Mr. Bell would give me a quarter to go to the store for him at, at that time. And I would save it and it would build up a little bit. And then when I would go to the store with my other kid friends, they would be buying candy. And I, would buy, I was buying sardines. Little did I know that that was brain food. But I was just doing what I wanted to do. And I wanted to buy brain food. So... I was doing those type of things. And then I got a little bit older and um, my mom, my mom allowed me to go and live with my father. So when I got to live with my father, what age were you at that time? I was around 13 years old. And at this time, right before this time, I used, I used to ask my mom, I said, mom, I said, I like how you ball these socks up. How do you ball these socks up? So she said, I'm going to teach you. You're going to go to the laundromat with me. So that was a lesson. Instead of learning how to ball the socks up, I got to learn how to fold clothes and all those things. So then when I moved with my father, I would taught I was taught how to gird in the woods and know how to chop down trees and use a chainsaw, cut grass, learn how to do those things and learn how to be uh, a teenager, as I would say. But as um, uh, far as the discipline, my mom gave me most of that. My mom, and when she would go to work, and if I was to be disobedient in the house with my two sisters, then she would call my uncle, my uncle Tommy, and he would come over and discipline me right in front of them. And that's how I pretty much got disciplined, you know, by, you know, living with my father for some years, going back and forth to my mom, and, you know, getting the women, getting the woman taught of like part of life as a man and then being with my father getting the father part of life as a man and that's just and you know and then when I wasn't around them I was allowed to be around children that was very disciplined and as I was saying and then when I wasn't with my mom and if I was hanging out and if I was I got to be around older gentlemen that were disciplined and I just learned a lot from those things Right, right, okay. Because I mean, the, the real, re, you know, obviously the reason why I asked you that is because I was, you know, privileged enough to have that same type of lifestyle. I mean, obviously I didn't have to, you know, have a split parent, uh, split parent uh, home or anything like that. But with being able to, uh, um, you know, be around you as a as a as a young kid, as much as we were, you know, yeah. even being around, even because for for example, my me I, I, at the time when I was a kid, I was the youngest. So everybody else was older than me, whether right. he was my cousin anyway, on my on my father's side, especially because all of his he was the youngest on on his side, on mm -hmm. both sides. So all his nieces and nephews was way older than me. Exactly. So I I, I got that same, you know, uh, schooling from, you know, uh, the, the older generation. And uh, uh, because I know all, your peers didn't teach you all of that neatness no. that you had, because no. I know how, you know, uh, uh, your peers are a lot of the time they teach you, you know, start to teach you the, the bad habits that, you know, we, we learn on our own or learn through their environment. Which again, we'll get to that. So uh, you spoke about you know you uh, growing up with uh, your your um, two sisters. Mm -hmm. um, so you what, what it sounds like you have um, well uh, from from your mother's side, I would say uh, growing up in the, in your immediate home, you had uh, two sisters and yourself and your mother. Okay, so um, 
Actually, um, if you don't mind, uh, talk about talk about uh your, your childhood with your sisters and your mother, and you know just that side of it. Because again, you said you learned the woman side of it because you're mm-hmm. the only man in the house of mm-hmm. three women. So you know, I, I know that that transition over on uh on how you treat women and things like that. Uh, uh do you do you feel that way that 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 did trans transition over to to how you treat women and how you look at life as well? Uh, not so um. Because I, I mean, I know you. So I, I know you're not the uh, overly macho type of guy in the sense where trying to be too tough for anybody or anything like that. Do you think that you know, growing up with uh, three women in the house, being like that, do you think that that transition to you uh, uh, seeing the world in in, in a, uh, a less misogynistic, less sexist world and things like that? Do you think it transitioned over? Yeah, it, it's it's like well, my sisters, they they taught me on how to respect the female because I, as a child, you don't know that you're not supposed to hit a, hit a female, but you learn that from doing it. And so, so my mom always let me know, you don't hit no girls. You don't hit no girls, no matter what you tell me or something like that. But, um, but, uh, learning how to, you know, dress a female, I learned by watching them having the type of clothing that they will wear or putting the type of shoes that they will put on. It 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 kind of helped me. And then my mom, you know, uh, going through the things that she went through because she was a single parent. You know, I remember one particular day that my mom was sitting on the bed, but I didn't know at that time. And I was um, coming home and I used to play a guitar and, used, and the gentleman named Michael used to stay down the street and he would be playing on organ. And I come home one day because him and I, we made a song and I was in elementary and uh, we made a song and I come home with my guitar and I came in the house running up the steps and mommy, mommy, we made a song. We made a song. And when I got up there and I saw my mom sitting on the bed crying and when I saw her on the bed crying, I immediately started crying with her and was saying, what's wrong, mom? And she was saying, Chucky, these bills, these bills. And I just always wanted from that moment on that my mom to be rich. Yeah. But uh, but also, you know, you know, that right there let me know that a woman needs help. So that let me know right there. And then when I saw my mom going through some abusive relationships, I didn't like that at all. And my my. my oldest sister, you know, going through the things that she went through with guys, and I didn't like that. And so, you know, by me being disciplined by the other children that I was growing up, you know, it, every child that we, you know, that we grow up around, some children may start in, they are in elementary, but they have a uh, uh, a math skill that should be in college already. You know, we run across those people, but the kind of people that I ran across that was in elementary but had an adult dress code, you know, shirt tucked in, hair pointed out neatly, you know, always in the bathroom taking care of the son. This the kind of guy J.J. Griffin was, James Griffin. This gentleman was very neat in elementary. He walked down the street with a with a with a soldier walk in elementary. And then when I got with Brian Wilson, this guy, I mean, he was wearing knits and had a shirt tucked in in middle school. 
Where do you get this at? This is people that go to go to law school or go is in the business field or something like that. And he was in middle school dressing like this. And he never called anyone at their name. He never had an attitude. I never seen him get frustrated in middle school. I've never seen Brian get that way. And I learned a lot from all of that. Man, so so these positive vibes and a lot of great, great lessons that you learn as a kid, you know, um, up until a point, you know, you 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 dibble and dabble into uh, to to the other life. You know, you with, with the discipline. I mean, of course, you have to uh, uh, test the discipline as well. So, uh, getting getting older, uh, um, obviously, you you getting out of middle school, getting into high school, uh, hanging around, you know, people like Artie Marine that you said at the time you were, uh, you know, idolizing them, and you let let alone, you know. Um, the, the the way that they were teaching you how to be a, a good person and playing basketball at the same time you were you know getting getting further away from your discipline do you at, at that well I'm pretty sure at the time you probably didn't know why but do you know uh, now why that you got uh, away from the discipline yeah I I I know that if I never was allowed to astray from the discipline then I wouldn't know what I know now. See, it seemed like you, you, they have a person to always step outside of the family, of the immediate family, to go out there in the world and make it back. It's like sending your child to the army. And they go out there and they, they learn all of this stuff that you may not have been able to learn or the other people in your family would not be able to learn. But they also learned how to do things that you can't do. But I was the chosen one of this family to go out in the world, get a hold of that knowledge and be able to bring it back and then send it back and teach other people. Because I would not know what I know now. I've, I've got to be around some very creative positive well i'm not going to use the word positive i got to be around a lot of creative people these people know how to survive and if you can get with those people and you learn the ways the ways that they learned when you get back on the right track you'll have a lot to offer because you you don't only have the 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 skills of when things are going well to make it in life but now you have the skills that when things don't seem right to know how to make it in life because people that have not been through a lot once something seems to be going wrong in their life they can't handle it but when you've been out there in that world and you know how to make it off of a mustard of a off of a pack of mustard all night long you're doing something hmm so okay um getting 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 to the point where you know where we uh we we backtracked a little bit because you know we got to the point where you know you you said you bought your first car off the lot what matter of fact what was the first car that you bought off the lot a fiero okay burgundy fiero for look for the people that's my age that's 25 and and uh younger or or that's uh that's close to my age that don't know what that is describe what a fiero looks like fiero is it looks just like a fiari it's just a cheaper brand Mm -hmm. but at that time it was popular and matter of fact it was so brand new and it was so popular that it was on the it was on the showroom floor I didn't get something that was sitting in the parking lot. It was at Johnson Motors off of Gay Street in Cambridge, Maryland. And I bought it 
right off the parking, right off the showroom floor. They say, this car is for you. And knowing that my name is Johnson, so when I got the car, you know how they present their name. And it was Johnson Motors. So, you know, mm-hmm. I really look good with that. And then they let me test drive it. And I was just 19 years old driving a Burgundy. And let me let me let me refresh you. Just like my nephew is saying that for y'all that do not know about yeah, this, make, make, the car the car was real life. the car was only you know the car was just being made in 1984. So so when the car came out, they only had three colors: white, red, and black. Then in 1986, when I got mine, they came in with the new color. And that was burgundy. And I was the only one riding around in that town with the burgundy two-seater Fiori. Fiori um, I'm, I, you look, got me thinking the real big. Yes, but <laughs> it was the Fiero. And I really, it really looked good. But yeah, I'm Googling that's how it right that now. was. I see it. I'm, I'm Googling it right now, yes, matter of fact. that car was awesome. It's by Pontiac. Pontiac, okay, yes. Okay, okay, I didn't it know was, that. It okay, was okay. awesome back then. Now, as you know, that, you know, most vehicles today are very much technology but right, right, that car right. back then it was awesome like i said it was not just a brand new car because you know dealerships got a lot of brand new cars but they put the special brand new vehicles on, on the, the showroom. showroom floor right right exactly. and that's what i got the showroom floor vehicle right right so let me, let me ask you this i mean being 19 how were you able to afford that car on the showroom floor at 19 from working or were you dibbling and dabbling nah, with no nah, okay well talk working. to me i was working but that's the thing about you know when you first get out of high school you don't have that rent or you don't have that light bill right. or anything of that nature you only have what you go and buy yeah, yeah, that's see, my I car. Let me, I just pulled me, it up on Google. I just pulled it up on Google. Look, I'm reminiscent. Oh boy, look he at that. He's 19 oh, again right now. Oh boy, look at that. Oh, that is sweet. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But anyway, so so you uh, all right? You so, so at 19, where, where were you working at at 19? I was working at Western Publishing Company, and um, working there. Then I was also working part time at Hardy's right down the street. So that's what i've been doing all my life right so pretty much taking it again back to that time where you made that made that song with with, with your friend and then yeah seeing your mother cry not you know making sure that you know you you i'm pretty sure that's that situation stains you you know put 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 a uh put in your mindset first of all that you didn't want to see your mom cry because i know how i know how traumatizing it can be well then well then you also also let me bring this to your attention is that um when when you let when you think when you talk about what you're saying you know about seeing my mom do that now it comes to my mind on what also happened that why after this happened i got me a part-time job in in middle school in the sixth grade i was 12 years old and i was working at the corner store named mr bacon and i was bringing home my mom every week or every day or almost every night that i got off of work that i did work Briar's ice cream. She loved Briar's ice cream. Still do. And that's what I was doing. <laughs> Still do. And that's what I was doing. Be and and what also not only because she couldn't afford things is what made me get the job is that one one day, one year, beginning of school year, my mom did this and this is what really got me to go there. Because you know when you in school, you like to, you know, wear nice looking things, you know, nice looking clothing. But this particular year, my mom ordered my clothes from Sears and Robot. 
And you know when you're in school, you don't when you wear your brand new pair of pants, you don't take those off and throw them in the dirty clothes. You take those off and you hang them up because they're going to be worn again before they get washed. So what happened is that my mom ordered the clothing. And when my clothes came back, my pants came back the same color. She ordered me two pair of pants and several shirts. I'm not going to know. how I don't know how many shirts it was because what stuck to me is those pants. The pants that she ordered were two pair and they both were the same color. And the same kind. So what happened is that when you take those pair of pants off, you got to put those, you got to hang those up. And you got to wear them back that week. So it looked like I wore the same pair of pants all week long. Right. And for a person that I've been letting you know that I was being neat and everything, so I did not like that. So all after that, I got that job. And then I started going to the cucumber field, making my own money. And I did it so well that I was helping my mom a little bit. And I bought all my school clothes from sixth grade all the way through high school. She never had to buy me no more school clothes from the sixth grade. Can you imagine a sixth grader right now, a sixth grader right now buying his own school clothes legally all the way up? Nah. It's just something. I mean, most sixth graders aren't, they don't have that freedom to work. You know, they don't. Ex- yeah. and now, now, understand, now, understand that that I did not, um, I was not allowed to work with my own word. My uncle, my uncle Danny, he had to give, no, yeah, my uncle Danny had to give out the word that I was good enough to come out there and work. And they, they, Took his, they took me in on the strength of my uncle's word. Right. And right. I proved it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a lot of, I mean, with the technology, a lot of the young kids now are, you know, on the internet and figuring out a lot of things that, you know, at our, at my age, when I was, you know, in the sixth grade that I wasn't able to do. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm, a hundred percent sure. And I'm very positive with saying, I'm pretty sure a lot of sixth graders now are being, uh, self-sufficient, but the way in the, in the manner that you're speaking of, mm-hmm. not too many to be completely frank, unless they were doing things, uh, they, they were, they were doing things that they weren't supposed to be doing. And see, and see, understand, understand that there's something going on here is that, is that as a child and my generation, when you go to work, you would also you was also getting exercise. So you was doing two things at one time. But as you were saying, the sixth graders these days, they gotta they learning how to get money legally, but now they gotta find it on how to exercise mm-hmm. because that work is not gonna give them the exercise. Yeah, they sit behind and the they end up right and they end up getting more lazy and they're killing the inside. As they get older. Yeah. Trying to. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So uh, uh, we're going to press the fast forward button. I mean, so from from sixth grade on, you were pretty much working, doing your own thing. Um, so 19, you buying this car off the lot. You were working uh, at um, Western Publishing. Yeah. Western Publishing. And then Hardy's. you had a part. Yeah. Part time job at Harding at Hardy's as well. So um, taking it to the next level uh, of life, you know, out of high school. Um, what, what, what took that time? Uh, what was that time where you, um, pretty much said, you know, I want to do these things on my own and for my own to be my own man 
past the you know the the the, the childlike mindset of, of of working to to have things and you know working towards you know uh getting getting familiar with being with women and you know getting familiar with just again just being a man in general what what, what you know was it a, a a particular time or you just always you know had that 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 knack for being more mature than your age well i'll say this here that um i'm not gonna well on part of my lifestyle was more mature than my age and then other parts weren't so mature because i was doing a little bit of crazy things but that comes in the territory of being a teenager so but what happened with me is that i um I got my car, and, and I always tell my mom, boy, I don't know if I'll be able to make it out there. You know, because, you know, there's something to think about. You're now getting ready to leave the home underneath the, you know, someone letting you know it's time to get up to now no one telling you to get up. You got to do it on your own. Right, right. So, I, that's the time that I wanted to right. get to. So, right, exactly. so, so then, um, so then um, um, uh, coming out of high school, well, in high school and in middle school, I had – you know, I knew this gentleman named Jeff Chester, which is the father of Jerron that I'm speaking with. And um, uh, him and I became a little close and, you know, hungered a little bit. And and I, I take it that he felt that I was a good guy because I could see that he was a good guy. And um, I mean, this guy here, I don't mean no harm, you know, I don't know, if, you know, but I'm just saying this guy, Jeffrey, you all. I mean, it was, you know, when I met this guy, I liked Jeffrey so much that, you know, it didn't matter what he said, I took it in, you know. So, but anyway, him and I, we ended up getting an apartment together. And uh, when we got an apartment together, we, you know, I began to learn more things. And it was him, I, and his, one of his best friends that grew up around him more than, than me. So us three got an apartment together. It was my name is Chuck Johnson, and his his friend is Chucky Tripp. So it was Jeff, Chuck, and Chuck living together, and we all had good jobs. We both Jeffrey working at Apex, and I was working at Western Publishing, and Chucky was working at I mean Western Publishing. But he lost his job, and then you know I had the master bedroom, and me and Jeffrey was going to go to work, and we come home before we go to work because we was working at night shift. And we would we would get on our bicycles. We had bicycles back then. We would get on our bicycles and we would go to to more value, store more value. Then we would get some munches and get our food. And then we would go to Curtis Mathis was a VHS store that sold VHS tapes. You know, we could rent movies. So we go down, we rent, get our movies, and we would sit it in our sit it in my room for that night when we get off of work. Came home one particular night. Chucky didn't have no, the other Chucky didn't have no job, and we coming out, he's sitting there with a homeboy, watching our movie, eating, eating our snacks. food, you know, and it was like, it was like, what are you doing? And before we could get it, what are you doing? He was like, yeah, well, y'all gonna love this movie. I'm, really? So anyway, you know, we ditched him without him knowing. We left him there because Jeffrey's older brother was getting moving to another place, and we moved into that apartment. And that's when my brother—well, he's my brother-in-law, Jeff Chester. Now he's my brother-in-law. But at that time, he had—you know—him and I. We had—we uh, was walking through the nursery one day, and that's when my sister and his niece was walking together. And 
he put his arm around my sister and said, now this is a woman that I married. And I said, boy, you better get your arm off my sister, <laughs> you know, like that, you know. And then he was like, he was like, I'm not playing. So then I made a bet with him. I made a bet with him. I said, we'll see who get who first then. I'll go after your niece, you go after my sister. And he won the bet. And to this day, they have two sons. They're on their second home. And they have, they'll have 30 years of marriage in August of next year, in July of next year. Now, that's amazing. But, but those things is what, you know, when I started being more responsible, you know, knowing how to pay bills and things of that nature. But, you know, it still wasn't enough to prevent, you know, me from going astray. You know, I, I took a different route. He took a different route, and I took a different route. He went into his thing, and I went into my thing. Okay, so, you know, what what, what started you from going astray? What, what made you, I mean, obviously in retrospect, because I'm pretty sure then again you weren't fully understanding of what made you go astray uh, in its entirety. I mean, I'm pretty sure on the surface level you knew why. But, you know, what began to make you go astray? Well, what really happened is that um, I have a, a, a friend of mine named Puye, and um, my my uh, when I got my vehicle, my vehicle had um, I put it in the shop to get get some work done to the it. The Fiero, my Fiero. Okay. Excuse me. And when I put that in the shop, um, I was walking, and you know, I was with my friend Puye, and um, Puye took me over to this guy's house named Mark, and uh, we got over there, and um, he uh he was um he was saying boy this is some this is some stuff right here you know he was showing me this type of drug and I did not know about it and as you all know crack started emerging to surface in the 80s and that's when I came to high school in the 80s so you know he introduced that to me and it really didn't stick to me at that time but as we know some things don't stick right away but it's just getting you started it's like speaking to a girl you don't get her that day but if you keep on fooling with her, something may happen. So things progressive, you know, at that time. And then um, what happened is that I didn't bother it no more. But when um, me and my cousin, Brad Cornish, we we uh, went to stay with my uncle on my father's side in the summertime in New York, Brooklyn. So when we went there, um, my cousin that we went to spend time with named Smalls, his mom was on crack cocaine and she had an older lady there and her name was Miss Vivian. And so we was, you know, over there and they, you know, I have already been introduced to it. So I knew it, knew what it was, but I never seen it done that way. So they gave me and bread, uh, an opportunity to try to, and we both tried to, bread didn't like it as much as I liked it at that time. And so that's when they say, y'all got any more money? But see, they knew what they were doing to us, but we were so young of that of that lifestyle. We didn't know what they were doing. They were introducing us to it to get us to use our vacation money. <laughs> so then we had our vacation money, and I told them how much money I had. Then they took us to go get more, and we got more until we didn't have no more money. And it was amazing that we actually spent all our money on that stuff. So then... I stopped it at that time, stopped doing it at that time, and then um, just started getting introduced to the blunt, and 
that's when I was letting my cousin Smalls know, if you teach me how to roll this blunt, I will head the people in Cambridge smoking the blunt. So that's when he taught me how to roll that blunt. And I got the people in Cambridge. I got all my boys together when I got back to Cambridge. And I told them, I said, y'all, I got something new. So then I got them all together. And Frank Ofer, Wood, Curtis, Pouye, all of them. Got them all together. And and um, I said, well, well, go get a cigar. Went got a cigar. And this back in this day, you buy a $5 bag. They call it a nickel bag. Right. So be- before you get there, okay. what, what even got you smoking weed, though? What made you even take the time out to try that? Well, that got me when I was being around my mom's boyfriend or end up being husband named Jackie. You know, he always had this gentleman over there named Terrence because he didn't know how to roll the weed up. And he would get it by the half ounces. So when he would get this weed and he would get him to roll all these joints, you know how you have a candy bowl, a real big candy dish that sits on the middle of the coffee stand? He had it filled up with joints. He just had it sitting there. So I went and tried it. And me and Brian Wilson, that guy I was telling you about, me and Brian Wilson, we go play. And so this fa- was in middle school? This was in middle school. And he also had, he also had um, uh, uh, a whole lot of beer. So we would get a six-pack of beer and get some joints, and we would, we would go out to the playground, out to St. Clair, and we would play whole court one-on-one, and when we get halftime, we would play a real game, one-on-one. I was Magic Johnson with the whole Lakers because I would pass it to myself and I'm passing to Kareem or something like that. And he was Dr. J and, and Mo Cheeks and all of them. Right, right, and, right. And, and, and my and, brother did and, this. <laughs> and, 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 and when halftime come, we go behind the building, we pop a beer and smoke a joint. <laughs> like real halftime. <laughs> <laughs> So, so okay, so you know, fast forward. Okay, so in middle school, you just was just dibbling and dabbling, me because I mean, what you even said earlier, which was real, which was a real gem that a lot of people don't realize. With with with, with discipline, you have to have freedom. Discipline isn't free. You you you're really not disciplined if you don't have freedom. You got to have a yeah, choice. Yeah, you yes. have to have a choice. Right, right, right. So with with you, you know, again having that freedom to make a choice, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent for right. you at the time, you know. With, again, with being being showed that discipline at an early age, you had to have that freedom. You had to have that 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 choice to whether to make a good decision or bad decision. So, Pat, going all the way up, so from middle school, you know, um, um, up until the time where you're, you know, twenty ish at that time, because I'm pretty sure you say you were out of school at this mm-hmm. time where uh, you were introduced into uh, to to crack. You know, where well. Um, well, how old were you actually when you went to New York? Because that's when you really started to, you know, spend your money on it. I, I had, um, um, I was early school. I was maybe nineteen or twenty. Maybe, man, maybe yeah, the eighties was crazy. Oh man. yeah, the eighties oh, yeah. was crazy. Because, oh yeah. See, you know, just, just, just in general, how like, because uh, I, I feel like with my age group, our childhoods have been expanded. When back then in the eighties, your childhood wasn't that long. I mean, you had to like just literally how you said from sixth grade you were buying your school clothes. Right. You were thinking about you know adult things that exactly. in, in the sixth grade. Right in sixth grade, I was a kid. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? In sixth grade, I wasn't even worrying about a bill. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So just the time, the time periods is just different in general. Just completely, just different. The the, the mindset and. Um, I, like I said, I, I really feel that the uh, my generation, our childhood has been expanded so much. And uh, it's a disconnect between um, the older generation because they don't understand that 
our generation have been pampered. We really have, and we, we, we need to be reintroduced to life a little bit differently because you telling me at 19, you know, 19 years old, you, first of all, you, you buying a, a Fiera. That's now 19 years old. You don't really hear too many people buying their first car or They're new. going to college. Yeah. A new car. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, not even could uh, at 19, I didn't, uh, I had a car, but I didn't buy it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm, well, let me rephrase it. Hold up at 19. I was at school. No, I didn't have a car at 19. I apologize. At 19, I didn't have a car. At 20 and 21, I did because I actually did buy my first car, actually. Um, But, again, this was uh, – I wasn't working, you know, from sixth grade on to mm-hmm, do that. I wasn't mm-hmm. doing that. Right. That was that was because I was forced to. I right. left college mm-hmm. and came home, and my mom said – and my dad said, you're not standing here without no job. Yeah. You know, so I had to do certain type of things. But that, that, that literally uh, in the 80s, it just was – it was just hard. It was just different. You know, it was yes, literally it was. just different. So literally at that 19 years old, 20 years old, being introduced to, uh, uh, I can't even really say that's a manly, manly drug because that's a, that ain't for no human for real. Like no. crack is just, it's a, it's a different ball game really, because I mean, it's a whole different step from, from go ahead, go ahead. But, 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 but see, here's the thing though. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. What, what, like I was saying, if I it, I had said earlier, if I could go back, I wouldn't want to change none of it. See, here's the thing that that when you get older, you get to learn why you were going through things. And so, what I'm saying is that I don't just take that experience and use and and don't use what I'm saying right now on everything because you have to take that knowledge that I'm giving right now and use that for surgery. Like if you're about to go into surgery, this is this is you have to go through this in order to get better. Understand where where you're getting cut open, where it seemed like when you when you in the eighties and you're about to go and experiment some crazy stuff, mm-hmm. you're experimenting it yeah. to get better. Yeah. But it feel but but you don't know no better. But the same way, but 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 you're getting better. But the same way, when you go into surgery, and you're going into surgery, but you know the outcome, you you know the reason why you're doing it right. is to get you better. Right. But it don't start off feeling like that because they're cutting you open. Mm-hmm. You were so, probably sick before right. then. Yeah. And so that's the see, and and that's the same way with 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 humans. You know, with us when we are going through something, we don't we don't recognize why we are experimenting these things but we're experimenting these things because something is driving us there and it's something called escaping reality mm, that, right. so that's what happens you know we, we're trying to get out of something but when you're young you don't realize you're trying to get out of something someone older can tell you that that's what you're doing but that's what I'm saying. Okay, great. I'm glad you. That was a great segue, actually, because that was what I was trying to get to. I because you know I, I know, at, especially at the '80s, because at the '80s, I'm pretty sure crack was like a cigarette, like in the sense where you didn't really know the effects of it, but you 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 knew that it certain bad things could happen because it's new. Now in 2017, I know not to try crack. Right. You know, I know that if you try, you're going to get addicted. I know oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. It ain't no escaping it. I know right. that, you know, so literally back then you didn't know that. You didn't know that risk. What well, well, was it understood at that time? Let me ask you that. It wasn't it understood. Like like how it is now. You right. Say. See, see, and you got, you know, it's just like, I, you know, I remember uh, um, 
I remember this lady, her name is Diane, and um, it was this guy named Tony, and then it's this guy named, um, uh, 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 I can't think of his name, um, but anyway, these guys, um, Tony was uh, going with her, and um, this guy, this other guy, he was he was talking to her and the other guy he didn't like it so he took and hit him upside the head with a two by four he killed him so and he went to jail his name is angelo and angelo went to jail for this but what the thing the reason why i'm bringing it up is because that once these two guys had this situation over this lady in cambridge maryland that prevented other guys from trying to get with her because they were looking at it that it was a sexual thing. That if that woman got it like that, we don't want none. So that's how that's how people are paying attention to crack now. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. it's so addictive that you don't want to even try it. You don't want to say, well, shoot, they ain't going to do that to me. Right. No, you don't you want that. Yeah, you right. don't it wasn't it. like that then. Right. right. But I, I will say this here. I will say this here. If all of the type of pills... We're not out here now. It will may it may will be a lot more people even trying crack because a lot yeah. of people want to escape reality. Yeah, and and that's a hundred percent fact. So at nineteen, when you took the time out to escape reality, I mean, again, I, like a because this um, like I said, it was a great segue because all all of the conversation up until uh, up until now is to this point where. Uh, uh, people escape reality with with whatever whatever vice it may be whatever it, literally whatever vice you have is to escape reality but in particular um at, at 19 you know what do you feel as though you were escaping reality from i i i can't really say i think i think that um that uh some of the reality may have come from just being what other people are doing and and um I, okay i'll say it this way um i didn't have no problems far as i knew but i can say it may help me to escape boredom you know i could have been bored you know because the other friends are trying this or doing this and and i don't know anything about trying to further education at mm -hmm. that time it's all about hanging out and going party and things like that so if i'm hanging out and going partying and then the other folks that i was hanging with was doing this and doing that now it makes me bored so now let me try that then you know, just like, a you know, a person that, you know, that have not smoked cigarettes, but they hang with somebody that smokes cigarettes. So they may want to try it. I don't know exactly, but that's how it went. OK, I mean, I, I, I can completely understand that. I mean, what what did they um, uh, uh, item on is the devil's playground is what they say. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. So that's where the boredom comes in. Yeah. So, you know, um, w w with that being said, OK, uh, taking it a step further. So when was the time where you, you know, knew that, you know, you became addicted and needed this because i mean you said you stopped a few times you didn't like mm -hmm. when you went to new york you stopped spending your money on it mm -hmm. and then you know uh 
you know, we went further because, I mean, to to obviously with dibbling and dabbling, I mean, it was a rock bottom. And now, you know, obviously, I I, I know that you're clean, you know, years clean. And mm-hmm. obviously we'll get to that, you know, mm-hmm. through the conversation. But, you know, what, 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 what uh, uh, you know, took that, that what, what took that turn for, you know, I guess what would you... I would say the worst at the time, but really for the better. Cause like, like how you say you had to go through that just to be as polished as you are now, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, what, what, what time took that, that, that drastic change from, you know, where, where uh, boredom became again, that the, the, the devil's playground. Well, well, um, I'll say it like this here that, um, when, when, um, by keep trying things, you end up getting more addicted to it. And and by me not knowing that I was going to be addicted, you know, by me, you know, it seemed like I guess I guess you can call it playing tricks on my mind because it didn't allow me to be addictive at that time. It allowed me just to try it and then stop, come back, stop, come back until I don't know if I got a hold of the right stuff or whatever it was. But then um, I just started doing it every weekend every weekend and then it began to it began to take over and and get to be one of the most uh important things of my life and it so on snowballed until it made me not want to go to work or if i was at work you know all those kind of things and then and then let me let me back it up on this part here because this played a major part this really made a a big change is that um, one day, uh, I was riding, you know, I was with a couple of homeboys, Donald Johnson passed away now, but Donald Johnson and Donald Tide, and we was over to my older sister house, Bonnie's. And, um, I told him I was going to get me an eight ball. And when I go and get the eight ball, I was getting it from a guy named Bozy. And so Bozy got me in his car and he was taking me down the street. And when he took me down the street, he said, uh, he 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 uh he was riding next to a ditch of water and he was reaching inside of it. And when he reached inside of it, he pulled it a little bag and it had the drugs in it and then he handed it to me and I'm like, I don't want that. He said, That's what it's made of, so don't worry about the water and stuff. I'm like, Okay, so I got it. And we three smoked it all up. Then I asked Donald, you know, when you get smoking, you 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 tend to try to figure out how to get more. So at that time, I said, Donald, let me use your bicycle. So I took that bicycle, and I went down. It was on Phillip Street. I went down Phillip Street, riding up and down that ditch area, riding up and down that ditch area. Now, let me let you know that when I go to work and I get off of work, I take that bike, and I ride up and down that street, in that back street part. Now, let me let you know that... You understand that when you go through a certain area, you know where the ditch and trash is all piled up and everything in that area. You know when you go through those type of areas, you you notice the trash. Because now, this is your routine. Now this became my routine. that I travel up and down there and I see trash every day. Now, I notice a new bag. You know, if you ride down somebody throw a McDonald's bag out, you know, you notice stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you what I noticed. I noticed a new bag, but it was an old bag. 
So it's like somebody tried to camouflage an old bag in all that trash. But I've been analyzing all this, scrutinizing it. So I see this old bag and I'm like, let me go up to this old bag. So I go up to this old bag and it's a little paper trail. And I go through the woods. And when I go through there, you know how a pamper box, you know, those big pamper box. This pamper box was filled up with drugs. There was bags of crack, bags of powder, cocaine, bags of weed, capsules already filled up, everything you wanted in that nature, in that field. And I had it all, had all the baggies, everything in that pamper box. And it was in the wintertime. I took all that stuff and I took it and I, and I dished it somewhere and I didn't believe it was real. So then. <laughs> I bet you know, in that life, so, like how you said, you literally was getting off of work, looking for a day like this, yeah. literally looking for a day yeah. like this. And it came. Yeah. And it came. Seeking you, you know, yeah, you even bang. Yeah. yeah. For real. Real but, talk. Yeah. Real so, talk. So, so anyway, so anyway, I, I, took and I went to the guy, Artie Marine. I went to Artie and I and I took him some of it and I said, Artie, I want you to go back there and test this. See, I'm too nervous. Even though I get high at that time, I'm too nervous to try this stuff. So I give it to Artie and he come out the room and said, <coughs> Wagon, where'd you get this from? So he let me know it was good. So I said, that's all I need to know. I, I took over Cambridge from that moment on. And were you and you were selling and using at that point in time? Yeah, man. But man. but 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 I had so much. It was like I was. It was like I was. I mean, it was free bands. Yeah, I, mean, it I, was I, I was. I I was. I I I I. Homeboy scales. You know, I had I had I had scales. I had him working. Coy Cooper. I had all these young kids working for me. And when I had all these guys working for me, um um, I I quit my job. And and I and I uh, got refrigerators put in all their places, so they would have places to put the stuff at. And I remember one one night I came home, and I and and my mom had went in my room to clean my room up, and she saw the McDonald's bag, and it was filled up with money, you know. And she was like, "Chucky, where'd you get all this money?" I said, "Mom, look, mom." You can put your hand in there, and you can get all you can get with that one hand, and, and that'll be yours. And she just went along with that. And and so I continued to do these things. And one of my one of my workers, you know, he was saying that you know he needed a car, so I gave him this, and he got himself a car. He had himself a Z, uh, uh, was it a Z two two eight, something like that. But this is that lifestyle. That's how it went. And when it went that way and I was getting high. And so then, um, it, you know, that's not a good life. You're going to go down no matter what. So then that went down after years. And then um, I just started doing more things wrong, you know, not being home with my girl, you know, um, not going to work when I got another job and all this kind of stuff. Do you think that this was in tapping in, into that boredom or do you think that it evolved? Yeah, it evolved. Now it's so what, what, got worse. Well, then it became a habit. Okay. It became a habit. You know, it's it it became a habit as well as I've heard other people say that the habit the habit is not it's not always that you need it. 
It's just that it's in habit. You know, you 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 like you got people that wake up, smoke a blunt. And it's not like they need it. It's just that it's, it's habitual, habit. yeah. Yeah. And so what happened to me is that I continue to keep on I, I continue to keep doing this. It's like, you know, my mind would tell me the truth because it wouldn't allow the evil to speak when the mind, when good is trying to get some money. Because evil can't say it correctly because it's going to it's, it, it's gonna show why it wants it. So evil wouldn't say nothing. He would be like, well, go to such and such and ask for some money or something like that. Or you go do this and I'll go do it. And with all intentions where other people thinking that some crackheads are lying when they come to them for money. But they be for real until they get the money. Then when they get the money, then evil shows up. Say, well, let's go just get one. It'll talk like that. So these moments kept going on and kept going on where so then these moments will keep going on and on and on until to then, you know, um, um, I even took the TV out of our place and stuff like that. And when I took the TV out of our place, um, Tamika, that was my girlfriend at the time, and she was like, I can't believe you did that, and I took it, and I sold it to the drug dealer, Michael Lewis, and when I sold it to him, you know, he, since he was my classmate, he gave the TV back, you know, and I didn't have to pay him back, but, you know, he felt for me at that time, and so then that escalated where, you know, she didn't want me at the house no more, and I started staying with uh, one of my homeboys, Donald Ty, started staying there, and that's when you all came along, you know, you know, where you all came, and um, um, that's when you, Jerron, was around, what was you, about eight years old or so? I I, honestly, I don't remember how old I was, but... You remember that moment? Yeah, and I remember, uh, I remember, man, I, I, this, this is what I, this is what I remember, and 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 I'm glad that you've told all of all of the story up until now, because again, great, uh, great segues, and this is how just the universe works. So, all, all up until uh, the the day that he's about to speak of, I viewed my uncle in this light where. He couldn't do no wrong. I always seen him do all the cool things, have all of the pretty women, never, you know, not have money. Just b- being being with young young men aspire to be before they know that they really need to be a man. You know, before all, all the glitz and glamour is cool, but that don't mean that doesn't mean anything. You know, I I, I you know idolize you for those things, and I remember it was probably about probably like a few weeks before that situation happened i'm at south pond basketball court and i'm playing basketball with deontay's age people you know Mm -hmm. these are the people at that time they're dibbling and dabbling in the game Mm -hmm. you know they selling this and doing that Mm -hmm. and i wasn't aware of everything that was going on i knew things was going on because that's where i grew up but you know i was too young to know yeah i was just too young to know right so we talking about the best shooters as far as the basketball in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing them yell out names, yell out names. And, you know, me being young, I'm scared to say my uncle is the best shooter in mm-hmm. Cambridge. But then I, I got the carriage. I said, yeah, my uncle Chuck. And they this is this is what they said. They said, who, crackhead Chuck? And I, 
I'm like, nah, I don't know who you're talking about. That ain't, mm, we not mm, talking mm. about the same person. And yeah, I, that's the way that I found out. Yeah, and it, it, it hurt me so bad. And I that's I, I started to see real life then as far as not just, you know. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, just first, you know, disappointment. But, you know, I didn't understand it then. You know, right. I wasn't even looking at it as disappointment. Yeah, I was more embarrassed. Yeah, right. yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, just getting older and, you know, getting to this story here that you get into. Again, this happened literally a few weeks before this happened. Mm-hmm. And. I started to, you know, be hip to a lot of things that my parents were talking about, my grandma was talking about, and, you know, being aware because, okay, all right, now life ain't as sweet as I thought that it was. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, the people that I thought were these, you know, people that would, with no flaws, they, they, they were dibbling, dabbling in the things that in our community was the, to be a crackhead was like the worst thing you could be. Oh, yeah. I mean, for real. Like, oh, just, yeah. to, just. And and a matter of fact, I want to make sure I, I I say that as well because a lot of people in there and and that aren't a part of our community feel as though that we glorify that lifestyle. It's not that we glorify; it's just all that we know at a certain point mm-hmm. in time, especially educational wise and things like that. So um, so so again, back to this day where we come around, where I when I, I don't like I said I don't know exactly how old I was, but I had mm-hmm. just found out that you know what you were doing, you know. Past, past my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So getting to this day, getting to where, you know, everything was as bad as it needed to be <laughs> on your life. Yes. And yes. Right. Yeah. For real. As yes. bad as it needed to be in your life. And I know that you knew how your nephews looked at you. Mm-hmm. And I know that you knew what I meant when I said what I said mm-hmm. and get to that story. So you got to the lowest point of, you know, uh, just you know, just doing dibbling and dabbling with being undisciplined. Uh, well, really, you weren't being undisciplined because you was doing you was doing every disciplined thing you needed to do to get what you needed to get. Mm-hmm. You just didn't had it focused in the right area. Right. So, uh, um, back to that. You know, um, getting to the low point where you know you moved in with 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 uh, one of your friends that were you know doing the same things that you were doing, and getting to the point where. We are, it's me, my grandma, my brother, and I think Deontay may be in the yes, car. Yes, And we are supposed to be picking up my uncle to go to Baltimore. And at the time, I didn't know exactly why he was going. <laughs> but I learned to find out that he was going for rehab, if I'm not mistaken, yes. correct? Okay, so I, so in my in, in my lifetime, again, this is this is back to, you know, why I wanted to bring these podcasts up with black men that I do, that, that shaped me. Because... Speaking literally all, all of the things that you're speaking and on how you're speaking on it in the sense of your thought process and uh, um, it, it shaped me because I mean I know people that's listening to the podcast like first of all they, they sound alike and then just just how I uh, how I view life and how I, it's, it's always it's never what meets the eye it's always, always it's more. always more right it's, it's it's always more than what meets the eye and 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 I always have a deeper uh, um, a, a deeper thought process the majority of people and they, these are the reasons why mm-hmm. again for the people that were uh that did take the time out to listen to my father podcast you understood a little bit more of me then mm-hmm. and more uh, even more now listening to this you know you you'll understand a lot more uh, okay so get get getting to the getting to the point where again i you know growing up again in 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 the community where we grew up in being a young black man idolizing other black men because you first of all you see you 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 hear all the things that black men are that they want us to be i should say 
the, the all the bad that that is glorified and things like that. So when we see as a kid, when we see black men doing the right things, whether it's sports figures, whether whatever it may be, rappers or whatever it may be, we mm-hmm. idolize those things, and that's what we want to be. Right. So it, good, bad, and different. Like literally every single thing that we see that is good, we want to is sh- shaped, and we we literally imitate those things, mm-hmm. even if we dibble and dabble into the bad things because it's a part of that. It, it's, right. it's literally a part of that. So. I'm I'm literally at this point in time not knowing that this is the worst point of your life and mm-hmm. and and literally again you you know how how we felt about you at that time I mean yeah. I, I really feel more about I really feel more now about you now because I know that you've been through the fire and now you yeah. polished I I, I know yes. what's going on now so it, it, it's 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 again I, I bring all of that up to say this that we 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 see so many things that we, we, we see so many of our idols fail that we, we, we start to perpetuate that same cycle. So when we see our, the same people that we idolize do better, those when things start to shape us and, 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 and sometimes when you, when we do see our idols fail, we start to, uh, uh, it, it it can traumatize you. It can it can you 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 start to see that life ain't, ain't, ain't as sweet as it oh, is. Yeah. You you start to see what real life really is, and 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 that part of my life is where it, the the escaping reality came. I never I wasn't dibbling dabbling in drugs or anything like that, but I dibbled and dabbled with not being as disciplined as my parents raised me. Mm-hmm. You know, stop being into church. You know, just wanting to be with the crowd and stuff like that because. I felt as though that you know this is the way to go now. Mm-hmm. It is you know it, this is it's the it's the cool thing. So I started to do those type of things and uh, 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 bringing it all uh, again, all everything again. Not, nothing is never what meets the eye. It's always more. And again, me me hearing and I, I didn't even know that you know that that was the worst part of everything. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know. Again, I yeah. mean, it, it has to be when when because people always ask why people don't want to get off drugs themselves or you, well, you really can't do anything for people that uh, um, are on drugs. You can't do anything until they want to do it themselves. So for you to even want to go to rehab, that that's a testament to exactly mm-hmm. how, where you were at, at that time. And, and fast forward into, to uh, just to, to, to get to the point that I'm trying to make the, 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 the simple fact that again, me seeing what real life was at your worst point, And it, it literally hurting me so bad that I started to again that discipline started to to leave and not not because of you particularly I mean it happened to be that situation but in the sense where you start to see how life really is oh yeah and and it shapes you I mean it's just that simple that you know the experiences that you see in life the people that you idolize uh whether the 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 good bad and the different that they go through when you witness those things it shapes you and so, you know, uh, g- getting back to the, the, the meat of your story, because uh, I added a, a large addendum in, in, uh, to I- explain exactly why I wanted to, why we're talking about these things, uh, getting back to your story as far as, you know, w- when we came in. Okay, what happened is that when um, I was uh, on my way, you know, knowing that my family was coming to pick me up, my mom and my nephews was coming to pick me up to take me to rehab. So what I, what I had done that whole week and I, you know, Call myself, you know, doing my best of not getting high because I knew I had to go to Baltimore. And what happened is that a gentleman came over and uh, wanted me to go and get him some dope. So I went and got it for him and I ended up getting high. 
And what happened is that then I started to try to figure out how to get more before they come. And that's when uh, I called my called the guy that owed me something, one of the drug dealers that owed me something. He he didn't owe me no more than a dime, you know. Very, very small. Something you could have forgotten about. Yeah, something I could have forgot <laughs> something about. Something you probably something did forget that about. Something I did forget about. <laughs> but then but then the guy came over and got me turned on and got me started again. You know, just like a girl coming over, you know, showing you something and then don't let you get none. You know, something just like that. But anyway, um, when I'm on my way to go, when I'm on my way and I go by there and I get over there to the guy's house and I get over there and he get. Over, he he meet me outside and he put in my hand almost eighty dollars or so worth, and, and he all he owed me was ten dollars. Yeah. That ain't nothing but just you know that's just something to start me. It's just yeah, doing me temptation. wrong. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, when I'm I put it all in my hand, I was on my bicycle on my way to get back to the house, trying to hurry up and beat my mom and my nephews so I can get in there to get it in me and I can get on my way to Baltimore. At least I get my last good one in. And while I'm riding. There they go. Meet me on the street. And then my mom said something, but the, really, honestly, you all, the only thing that stuck in my head was my youngest nephew in the vehicle. And that's Jerron. And he said, and you better and you better be there, Uncle Chucky. And I was like, wow. I said, I'm going to be there all along. I got all this crack cocaine copped underneath of my hand while I'm riding on the, 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 uh, the, the bicycle. And when I got there and... They were beeping the horn, and I had all this stuff up in my. I was, I was breathing at that time. I feel so right now. You know, I feel so bad, knowing that my nephew, what he had just told me that just a few weeks ago, he was bragging about his uncle, and no one was mentioning his uncle. But all along, he never knew his uncle was a crackhead. And so, at that moment, when I was getting high, and then I went and opened up the door. And I got in there with them, and they were questioning me, talking to me, and I didn't want to be bothered because I had crack all in my mouth, crack all in my in my system. You know, I just took a good hit and then left her at the door just like that, cause I'm then I'm spaced out really. But anyway, um, uh, all the way going to Baltimore, you all, my mind was trying to figure out because I had I had left so much of that crack sitting on that table. And if you have ever done this and got addicted to it, you know that you don't want to leave any, let alone when you finish it all, you still want some. So imagine how I was feeling leaving it. So all the way to Baltimore, I was in my head trying to figure out how to get back. That's all I was doing. But my mom took me to this place called I Can't Weekend. I remember that. When I got <laughs> to this place here called I Can't Weekend, let me let me let me let me rephrase it. I mean, let me let, let me repeat this. Get the words correctly. I can't weekend. And when I got there, they let me know that it's no more I and it's all about we. So it's I can't weekend. And I'm telling you all, this place was very, very strict. They didn't let you do anything on your own. It, it, it was strict and you could get what you need out of this place if you were serious. If you wasn't serious, you're going to fail. Yeah, you just go through the motions. 
and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that that you can be serious at other places and can get it. Because you can be serious at other places and you can still not get it. Because a lot of places what happens is that they don't teach you what you're actually doing and why you're doing it. But I can't we can teaches you how to not do this anymore. And I learned at I Can't Weekend um, some things that other people were complaining about because I taught myself through the grace of God how to become a king at I Can't Weekend. I, I, I turned everything around. And instead of looking at it as a negative thing, I turned it into a positive thing. For an example, when they would, let, they would not let you open up any doors, anywhere you would go to, if you had to go to the store, someone had to take you and walk you to that store. You couldn't do nothing on your own. The only thing you could do on your own was open up the bathroom door and use that. Anywhere else, you was being escorted. So what I did, and even when you sit down at the tables where everybody joined to eat dinner or breakfast or lunch, other people had to go in the refrigerator and get this for you because you were you was allowed that your parents or your you know your guardians or friends could bring you some type of foods and you know fruits or whatever and put it in the refrigerator, but they have to get it out for you and things like that. But other people was like, man, you don't have to go in the refrigerator to get my, man, I can go in and get my own stuff, man. I ain't going to steal nobody's stuff. See, people think like that. Or when they want to go outside, you know, other people, they be like, man, you ain't got to open the door for me. I ain't no woman or I ain't no bee. You know, they talk like this. Now, let me let you know that when I saw these um, people that were there for a month or two, you know, looking all good and everything, and I was like, man, I want to look like that. You know, this is what I was saying. But all along, they had some other dirt going on, but it just wasn't getting high. So, so what I'm trying to let you all know is that, that um, while I was there, I was done with the stealing. I was done with the doing you know i wasn't cursing i I didn't curse i didn't i I wasn't drinking i wasn't doing nothing but getting high so when i go into this rehab what i'm trying what what happened is that is that i was looking at things in a whole different way so when they say when when they let me know i can't do these things god let me know now you are king so when I want something in the refrigerator, I had someone to go open that refrigerator and get that for me. When I wanted to go outside, I had somebody to check the outside and open up the door just to make sure I was safe. When I go to walk down the street, I had someone to walk on the curb and walk with me in case a curb, in case somebody driving want to act a fool. I had protection wherever I went. And you could not hug no one because they would think they were passing drugs to you. So if someone was to come up to me and wanted to shake my hand, I had somebody to block them so, because you can't touch me. See, I looked at everything differently, and it kept building my, my personality. It kept building my character in a whole different way that I've never seen me before. And so now, once I got clean, very well, they started to let me get my hair cut. Now I can get my hair cut. I can look neat again. 
and and then I met a female, and when I met a female, I know how to be with one female. I wasn't like the other people because they were just clean from using drugs, but they had all that lifestyle. other stuff. Right, right. See, see. Here's what you got to understand: is that everything else is a part of it. You're just not doing it. So it's like trying to get with this female. And all she's giving you is a wave right now. But you'll settle for the wave right now because later on, you know, you can get it. All you got to do is take its course. So that's the same way with how doing drugs. Drugs, you don't have to literally do the drug. As long as you're doing something that relates to it, it don't mind. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Right, right. I completely understand that because that's how you said, and and you explained to me several times with, you know, um, my my habitual uh my habitual uh, uh, um, recreational uh, activities that I'm, I, I won't say on this because I got a job. I'll say that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but but we 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 got everything understood. I should say. But um, yeah yeah. I, I completely understand that. I completely understand that. But uh, yeah. So you know, uh, taking that time out and 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 so I can't. We can't. I can't. We can. That's that's an amazing. Um, um, first of all, the. I, I I like what they're doing with the name because it it, it it takes that it takes that escaping reality out of it because it it literally when it says that I can't it's literally it's it's okay because first of all you doing those things because you feel alone typically typically mm-hmm. people are are dibbling and dabbling in those type of uh, uh activities because they want to escape reality so they're alone at that time and if you feel as though that you can stop that type of uh those toxic behaviors on your own when you're when when you got yourself in those positions anyway it ain't gonna work like that no. it, it's, it's a collective thing and, and and we have to do it and a support system has to be there as well mm-hmm. so i i respect and i understand why they was doing what they was doing especially when uh you know just actually just thinking back on how uh it was a, a point in time where you weren't able to see your family too though right and oh, we right. No, yeah and no then business, we got nothing. right yeah and we got uh it was like special days where we were uh only able to see you and oh, stuff yeah. like that so right. i re- i remember why they you know uh deprive you of so many uh of enabling situations because just how you said it don't got nothing to do with the drug if you're doing everything that you you know in, in that same type of environment right you ain't you ain't gotta you know you ain't gotta uh, uh do the dope but if you in that environment you doing you you doing the same thing that those same yeah. people around there right. are doing you you you, you you have to. You keep going to that barbershop, you're gonna get a haircut. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Point blank. Rather you one, gotta pay for it or not. Yeah, somebody is gonna or, or you gonna convince yourself you're gonna get that haircut. Oh, yeah. One way or another. You're whether it's it. one year from they now. Gonna, they're gonna offer it to you. Yeah. They, Cause they see that you keep coming, but you may not have no money, but you keep coming for something. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna give you a haircut. Yeah, no, for real. You you get what you ask yeah. for. And in so many different ways. So I, I completely agree with that. So uh uh, uh getting clean and, and and staying clean, how do you how does it how do you continue to keep this the uh, uh, positive light and keep the, uh, 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 the the good foot going? Here's one major thing. I'm going to tell you one major key is that when it comes to now, this does not this does not apply to all drugs, but this apply to a drug that will take you from uh, going to work and uh, not stealing and things of that. See, this don't work for every drug, but this is what I do, is that what I had to do to get me started on not starting back is to play my tape of my life from the from the ending, 
not the beginning because the beginning gonna always look good and it can capture you but i look at it how i was looking at it how i'm not gonna have no job i'm not gonna have nobody respect me no more you know and 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 i know that i'm a person that wants those things so if i want those things i'm gonna have to look at what i'm not gonna have if i do this so that's what stopped me from doing it but but today None of those things is what stops me now because those things are not at surface anymore. The things that what keep me going today is that I keep speaking about positive things because it can happen to anybody. So what I do is that I always talk about good things. Let me explain it to you is that as you were saying, you know, an unidled mind. The devil's playground is the devil's playground. Mm-hmm. I don't so, mind. Yeah, I so, don't mind. Okay, the devil's I don't playground. mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what I'm saying to you, what I'm saying to you is that, is that two forces cannot occupy the same space at the same time. In other words, you have evil and good. Now they're both there, but they can't be occupying a member of your body at the same time, because if Right now, my mouth is speaking positive, but negative is in my mouth, too. But since I'm using the mouth for positive, it's impossible for negative to speak. So the same way with that, if you use your eyes for positive, then they can't be using it for bad. So as long as you get all of your members together and work together for good, none of them can work for bad. I understand that. I completely understand that. But for the people that don't know, that should know, I should say, what are members? Members are your eyes, your nose, your mouth, your ears, your hands, and your feet. Those are the ones that are at war with themselves. Because I saw this lady in Miami one day, one morning. She was in, she was outside, sitting outside, one hand smoking a cigarette. And the other hand watering plants. In other words, one hand is giving life and the other one is taking life. Yeah. So this is really war. Yeah. But she's not paying any attention. Even on the plants too though. Right. She's blowing that toxic right. air out that they take but, in. But now 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 let's look at what she would pay attention to. If she had two teenage kids, one of them was outside smoking a cigarette and the other one was watering the plant. She has something to say to that teenager that's smoking cigarettes because she can actually see it. You know how the people say you can't coach and play on the field or you can't coach and be on the court at the same time because you can't see your your faults. So when she's looking at when she's watering the plant and smoking the cigarette, she can't really see what's going on. But put it in her teenager's son's hand and let him smoke that cigarette. She can see it. Right. Right. So. Yeah, I com- I completely again I understand that as well. Uh, um, so j- again, just taking the, the the time out to change your perception, just pretty much. Would you say that? Yes, take time out to change your perception from bad to good. And self reflection is what yes. it sounds like that plays. And and and, and unapolo- uh, unapologetic self reflection. Would you say that? Because yeah. a lot of people lie to themselves when they oh, self reflect yeah. now. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a big thing as well. So currently, right now. Um, you know, we, we, we went through an a hour and 20, 25 minutes worth of uh, uh, conversing right now. And, 
and what's the next step for uh for 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 Uncle Chucky Chuck Johnson uh Chili Chuck however you want to be addressed Henry Johnson however you want to be addressed what's the next step because I mean uh, um going through going through the trials and tribulations that you have and then the type of trials and tribulations that you have uh what's literally the next step for you as far as uh, um what do you want to uh what the outcome of 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 your, your life want to be because I mean you you went through so many things you have a story to tell uh what is your impact on life now what, what is your end goal in having an impact on society and life I tell you this here I, I want to put this part out there about this for everyone that's listening and you can take this and share it with someone else here's the key you're only going to go through something major in your life for you to teach it you're not gonna go through something major it's the same way how you go to college you don't go to college to keep the information to yourself you go to college to teach it later no matter what it is you going you you need to take this so here's what my goal my goal is to become a very well-known, large auditorium, football field, filled with people, teaching them and counseling to them on how to live right. That's my goal. I want to be able to share the knowledge of the members of the body on how to make them work correctly. And I have the information. I will be launching out one day of my own. Get ready for Henry W. Johnson Jr. There we go. There we go. You hear that? Uh, you hear it from the uh, the player himself, I should say. But it, it, it it's just that simple. And then and to take the time out to use your voice to uh, impactfully uh, uh, teach the older generation as well that's continuing to be lost and, and to uh, uh, direct and change the direction of the youth is, is very important as well because, again, we we need these positive lights and 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 I mean positive in the sense where just how you 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 po- positive in the sense where we have to uh, uh, know the good and bad in life and know that it's all there. It's just how you said that good and bad is definitely there, but two forces can't occupy the same space. And it's not about you know um, more so in the sense of perfection, but knowing what's good for you. That's what it sounds like that you are wanting right. to do. Because, it, it, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know this. Perfection is not nothing that to strive for, but to constantly strive for good, to constantly uh, uh, get control of your members, which which I completely agree with that. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's all about the daily fight. It's it, just how you said it's all about getting your members to do uh, good for you, to work good for you. Because it, like how you said, it, it's, it's, it's good and bad is in everybody. It's about how you use it. It's literally about how you use it and taking situations and looking at them in a different light. Just how earlier in the conversation where you spoke about going under the, going under the knife, you know, yeah, you were sick prior to that. You got to go through this pain of being cut, but mm-hmm. it's to heal. Mm-hmm. It's to heal. And, and, and that's, and, and, and that's why I appreciate having conversations with you because, you know, knowing, knowing everything that you've been through, um, I'm, I'm able to, to, to converse with, with, with you and know that you've been through the good, bad, and the ugly, and you're not just trying to preach from, well, or teach or preach from a light that is unknowing. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to listen to people that ain't never been through what you've been through. Right. It, it's, it's literally, how can a rich man tell me how to be rich and they ain't never been that? Mm-hmm. You know, it just don't, it don't make sense. 
it, you know, it, it, in, in, in that light. So I, I, I am appreciative of you, first of all, sitting down and having this conversation with me. Uh, I'm appreciative of, of you being that, that, that male figure that was necessary at the time because a lot of my, my charisma, a lot of my confidence comes from you. Mm-hmm. And I still and I still carry that, you know, so I'm, a, I'm appreciative of all of that. I'm also appreciative of you going through what you've been through to make me understand that. That 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 life ain't perfect, and sometimes you are at, at, at the uh, uh, at the bad end of, your, of of what you view, but you can always turn it around. You can mm-hmm. always turn it around and be positive. And then at, at the fact that you are at uh, 51, 51. 51 years old and you still striving to be greater than what you already are because some people can stop and, and stop at life when they, they've been through a bad time and then they get and, and they, and they get uh, uh, complacent. They get complacent yes. and, and they start to that 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 boredom gets back and mm-hmm. you're not doing that. Right. You, every single day you taking the time out to keep to make sure that your members are doing good for you. Right. And and, and it's a it's a great, great thing that you're taking the time out to teach that to other people and mm-hmm. teaching that to me. And, mm-hmm. and why again this is a part of the reason why I do talk that talk. Mm-hmm. Because I do want to help people on the same on the, and, and literally in the same light. I want to help the people of my age group. Uh, the people younger than me and even the people that's older understand a lot more on why you do what you do. Because once you once, once you get to the root of the problem, it's easy to fix. Well, I'm not going to say it's easy. You it, it's it's more it's it's better to understand. Once you understand the root of the problem, you'll understand how to fix it. And I, I, I that's how I feel. And I, I just want people to again to just to take the time out the hill. That's my whole thing on why I'm doing talk that talk and. And, and, and it's, a, it's it's springing off from what, you know, things that you, my father taught me, what, what you and my father have taught me, other male figures as well. And I'm appreciative of that. I'm Let just me say a, one more thing. Yeah, do your thing. That, um, uh, I just want to say one more thing about those members of the body is that is that um, uh, I, I hear a lot of pastors. They say they say, well, you know, we, we you know, I want to speak to the young folks out there, you know. This is what they say, you know, but every every adult in age is not an adult. It's just they've been here that long to be an adult, to have been had the opportunity. Right, you should be an adult. Right. They had the opportunity to become an adult by that age. And when you hear that age, they looking at that that's an adult. Okay, in age now we got to understand every member that you heard me speak about every member builds a child or an adult. Now it's up to what your members are doing. That's going to identify you as a man or a child as an adult or a child. Now what I'm saying is that you, you can take a, a man that's 50 years old. If he's still cursing out of his mouth, then therefore his mouth is still 17. If you have a, a man or a woman that's that's um 50 years old and she's and she's wearing uh uh, uh I mean and she um she's out in the club and 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 climbing up and down on strip poles, then she's still a teenager. She's still young. Or if you got someone or if you got a man that's married and his eyes is looking at this woman while he's going down the street. So, you know, his eyes are not an adult yet because an adult set of eyes don't do those things. You know, 
This is my last part. This is my last part. I just want to give you all some very, very, very good news on how you can get the best from your woman or your man when you all leave and go to work and meet back that evening. Get ready for this. When you leave the home, you know how when you're at work and when you, you know, you're feeling like you're tired. And then once you're about to get off, when you do get off of work and you get at those doors, you don't feel as tired anymore. That's coming because that's coming from all of the members were working. And now all the members are ready to do something else. They haven't done all day. So now they're vulnerable. They have fun. Now, let me address this to you. When you leave from the home and you don't let your eyes do anything vulnerable, anything sexual to anyone, and you don't let your hands go to touch someone, and then you don't let your feet take you somewhere towards another female, or you don't let your feet take you to another man. And you don't let your hand, you don't let your eyes, I mean your your ears, listen to the voice of someone that's making you feel that's make that makes you that turns you on. You don't do those things, or you don't let your mouth say sexual things to someone else, and you don't let your nose smell the perfume or the cologne of someone else that's gonna draw your attention in that way. And do and when you get home with that individual. Every member will be vulnerable because they have not done anything that entire day. And that's what I want to put out there. I definitely uh, agree with that, actually. I mean, it's just that with, with, with discipline and reward is a lot sweeter. I mean, it's just simple as that. If you continue to be disciplined in life, once you once you get everything that you've been disciplined and that you work hard for, it's always going to you're going to reap the benefits way better than I mean. But you got to put things in different perspectives for different people, but I completely understand that. But again, I'm, 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 a, I'm appreciative for uh, you, you sitting down here and uh, taking the time out to, to share your story and uh, um, display, you know, exactly what, what needs to be displayed are uh, the, the goods and bads in life and uh, just, just learning and, and, and changing your perspective about life. And I'm, I'm, you know, at this point in time, I'm, if you're finished doing what you need to do, I'm finished doing what I need to do. And, uh, um, everybody that will take the time out to listen to this should appreciate this because, uh, again, uh, don't hide from your past. Don't, uh, don't be ashamed of your family, embrace everything, embrace everything that you've seen, embrace everything that you, uh, that you do love. Because again, everything is for a reason. Everything is, it's always more than what meets the eye. It always is. And, uh, and again, just take the time out to, uh, uh um, had these conversations with, with with your family members. Had these conversations with the people that 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 share that bloodline with you. Because again, it, it always help you at the end of the day. It always help you at the end of the day. And uh, I, I, I take again. This is for the this is for the black men out here, and and it, it's necessary. It's necessary to show this type of love. And that that's just simple as that. I mean, I didn't have my my father on here. Now I'm. You know, bringing my uncle to the table and I'm pretty sure I'll probably bring my brother sooner than later and uh that's pretty much it man and I just wanted to display what needed to be displayed and uh with that being said you already know what it is you know what it ain't it's your boy Flash A Ray you know my name you know my gang and I'm out <laughs>
appreciate y'all for tuning in once again. Make sure you go follow the Talk That Talk social media pages, Twitter and Instagram at TTT Media Co. And for the latest updates for the Talk That Talk blog, log on to tttmedia.co because we're a company. Subscribe to the SoundCloud, iTunes, and tune into the TTT Live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8.30 on Periscope as well. All can be accessed on the blog. Again, that's tttmedia.co. Again, because we're a company. Leave comments, feedbacks. It's all appreciated. And this is the second installment of the Black Man is God series, an interview with my uncle. Thank you for listening. It's Flashay Ray. You know my name. You know my gang. And I'm out.